Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. My aim here is to give you the knowledge and confidence to move into commercial property investment. This is not a podcast about commercial to residential conversion, nor is it just about investing in high street shops. There's much more to it. There's actually loads of different ways to get some great cash flowing commercial assets into your property portfolio. One of the many income streams we've developed over the years is that of storage. It's been part of our mix since the very start. More specifically, container self-storage has been a particular favourite, and in this third episode of the mini-series on container storage, I'm going to be talking about our experiences with the day-to-day operations. Plus, I'm going to go into some of the costs you'll need to think about when you're setting this type of business up. The costs can vary dramatically on these sites, so you need to be aware of the different factors that can influence whether a site is going to be profitable or really just a pain in the neck. First off, you have to have a big operational choice. This is a fundamental choice you need to think through really early on. Are you going to be running this site as exclusively self-storage, or is it an add-on to a site you already have? As I mentioned before, we don't have any self-storage locations that are standalone. The only thing they do is self-storage. Most of our locations that have a container storage offering also have other products. In other words, the containers are one part of a bigger multi-let site. So as mentioned previously in this series, the additional operating cost for a container element of a bigger site is fairly minimal. There's not too much to add. But that's not to say that a standalone site is not a good idea, it's just going to cost more. Questions you need to ask yourself are, who's going to manage the viewings and the on-site changeovers Who's carrying out the admin? Who's doing the marketing? Who's ready to deal with any issues that crop up from time to time? Because bear in mind, depending on how many containers you have, you're going to have a churn. There's going to be customers that move on and new customers that come in and replace them. And all of that needs managing. Now, I know in the early days, my answer would have been to those questions, well, me, I'll do it. But that could quickly become a full-time job, right? So as far as I can see, you have two options with this. By all means, do it yourself to start with. That's fine to get things going. But this whole investment malarkey is about getting your time back, not simply getting busy. Because you only have 24 hours a day. And let's be fair, you can't work 24 hours a day every day. So it's finite. So the first option is just add a few containers onto an existing site that you have. Keep the numbers low. Treat it as a simple extra additional income stream. And that's fine. That's what we did to start with, I have to say. Or the second one is, you have to think about how you're going to get yourself out of this. You need to get enough scale. You need to have enough scale to employ a team 
to carry out the different elements of the business. The things I spoke about just above there. So remember, this is a trading business, not a 15-year repairing and insuring lease where you give somebody the keys, you take in the rent check every few months or every quarter, and you don't see the built property for 15 years. It's not quite like that with container storage. It is an operating trading business. Because this particular podcast is about the nitty-gritty, though, let's not lose sight of the fact that if done right, this strategy can produce amazing results. And we have an existing team because of how we run our multi-let commercial sites. So this addition works really well for us. But you might have a team too. Perhaps not a container team, but you might have a maintenance guy or an SA team if you do serviced accommodation. So you might already have the systems to check in new clients and a guy or girl out on the ground who can do the viewings and carry out the physical letting of your 20-foot metal boxes. I say 20-foot, that's our preference. Anyway, this is a key aspect that you need to think through before you suddenly take on a site and fill it with containers. Because you might, it might end up being a big distraction for you. And by the way, the other factor, if you are doing it yourself or with your team, is geography. You don't want to be traipsing halfway across the country forever letting containers. You need to think about location. And I mentioned a few operational things already, right? So namely viewings, changeovers, admin, marketing, maintenance. But let's be fair, all these are basic normal things that you would expect with this sort of business. And you just need to work out how you're going to add them into your existing activities or who's going to do them. Ideally, not you. But there are other factors to consider in your plan too. So here's some other things to think about operationally. Is it going to be a site with 24-hour access, for instance? And most operators do this. That's the way they, they run their sites. So you need to learn how you can operate a gate securely without being there because there's going to be a fence around this space or at least some kind of security and then there needs to be access. And if it's 24-hour access, well, how are your customers going to get in? You're certainly not going to be there opening the door, I hope. So it might be key fobs, it might be a pin code, it might be a simple padlock. But you have to think about that. And then another factor in operations that, um, that you need to think about is, well, customer payments. How, how can I automate that? How do you collect payments? And we use recurring card payments. So at the initial stage when the customer um, takes out a, a contract to take on the space or the container, we set up a reoccurring card payment at that point. And it's worth mentioning again, make sure you set up a customer with a deposit and payment up front. When you're setting up those reoccurring card payments, they are monthly in advance. That's if you do monthly. And should you sell your space by the month or by the week? Which, of course, is what that leads on to. Because most of you will know charging by the week increases your overall take as there are 52 weeks. Let me explain that. So, so if you charge, say, £100 per month, then that'll be £1,200 per year, yeah? 12 times 100. But if you charge £25 per week, which sounds the same, there's actually 52 weeks. So 52 times 25 is £1,300 per year. There's an extra £100, and you haven't changed anything, really. As far as the customer goes, you've either promoted it as £100 a month, or £25 a week. Most customers would think £25 a week or at least calculate £25 a week as £100 a month, but it's actually subtly different. 
So just things to think about in the early days. Let me introduce you to a key partner for our storage container business. Wheelbox has over 20 locations throughout the UK and their own transport, which is just one of the reasons we choose to use Wheelbox for our container requirements. All of their products are available for hire, lease purchase or outright purchase, so you can create a balance between capital expenditure up front and cash flow over the longer term. They also have their own in-house fabrication and conversion facilities, which allows them to create bespoke container or modular designs just for you. And as part of the service, the team provide a fully comprehensive self-storage consultancy package to anyone looking to expand their current sites or breaking into this fast-growing industry. Now, I'm really excited to tell you Wheelbox are currently offering a free aerial site survey for you, our listeners. Just quote CPI Network when you get in touch and they'll create a site drawing showing your optimal container layout. Now that's really useful. Perfect for you to maximise your drive up storage ideas. So check out the show notes or simply type Wheelbox into your browser and reach out to their amazing team to discuss how Wheelbox can be a key partner to you unlocking your self-storage goals. Now, let's talk about capital outlay. I've had a few people asking me about, well, you know, this, how much is this going to cost? So to mitigate or cut down on costs, particularly capital, you could lease the ground. You could even lease the containers. But there are some key components that you need to make a site work that are either going to need to be there or you're going to have to pay for. So one of those would be hard standing. Another might be fencing, which we just spoke about. Another one would be gate access, gated access. Some electrical power is probably going to be important. Potentially internet access, depending on how you are looking at CCTV and how you are monitoring the gate access or the key fob and that sort of thing. And of course, you're going to need some lighting. A lot of these things are going to need electrical power. Now, if you go and find a totally unserviced piece of ground with no hard standing and say, right, I think I'm going to set up a container storage business here, it's going to cost a lot more than utilising an already fenced yard which has hard standing next to a property you may already own. And that property has probably got power, internet access and maybe even a member of staff. So some people will tell you it costs a lot to set up. But there are ways to minimise these costs. So bear it in mind when you're out looking. Because if you could find something, as I say, that has perhaps some hard standing there already, fencing already, maybe even electrical power to a building that is adjacent, that you own or have control of, then a lot of the costs have been taken care of already. Some people will tell you it costs a lot to set up, but there are ways to minimise it, as I say. You just need to think through how your current properties, or indeed properties you're looking at, could maybe have this bolted on. So perhaps having this strategy in the back of your mind will make some of the commercial properties you've looked at in the past much more attractive. Have a think about it. Is there any you've been to see? They might have been marginal before. They might have maybe made some profit, but not enough. But with this increased income potential then they might now be a gore. So have a look through some of the properties you've actually been to visit before and maybe scored off. So right, let's move on to some more of the hidden costs, or at least costs that people sometimes forget about when they're setting this sort of thing up. So there's a few here. So the first one is business rates. Yes, they want money for these movable boxes. Separately or as a whole site, it's up to you. And it depends on who your customers are, whether they're business or domestic, on how you want to get your business rates rated. From a very early stage of containers going on ground, the rates office 
will want to start charging you rates for it, I'm afraid. And we do different things on different sites. On some sites where we have mainly commercial customers, we have all our containers rated separately. Customer takes care of the rates. On the larger sites where you've got more of a mix of business and domestic, you may want to just pay the rates yourself and include that in the cost. Different ways of doing it. But business rates will be charged. The next one is water and drainage. Believe it or not, they will want, they being the utility providers, will want to charge you. So as soon as your business rates are set up, that'll put a wee flag up and they will start sending you invoices for the privilege of having a container. In fact, we put some containers on some grassed area, okay, so there was no drainage. It was natural soak away and we still had to pay drainage. It just drives you nuts. It's one of those monopolies that's not a monopoly, <laughs> but you will have to pay water and drainage, or at least drainage. Don't forget insurance costs. You're gonna need insurance for your site as well. And hopefully you'll be able to sort out insurance for your customers should they need it, but you'll need to insure your own containers. And then another one to think about is bad payers. So dealing with delinquent renters and clearing out containers can be costly, or at least time consuming anyway. And I'm sure a few of us have seen um, the telly where there's um, storage wars where people are bidding on containers and their contents because a delinquent renter has disappeared. But you never know what you're going to get. And a few years ago, a friend of mine told me a story of when he was in the Navy and they were down in the South Atlantic when they came across a partially submerged container, believe it or not. Now, these can be quite dangerous if you think about it for shipping. So if you're if you, particularly if you're on a yacht or something and you're out there in the dark sailing across the Atlantic and you crash into one of these, that could be very serious, particularly at night. So these guys decided they were going to use it for target practice and get it sunk. And they got a direct hit, but it didn't sink. And then they managed another hit, but it still didn't sink. So they had to go over and see what was going on. It was then that they discovered the container was full of expanded polystyrene insulation, which was never going to sink. So you just never know what you're going to get in a container, and sometimes getting rid of it can be harder than you think. Another factor to consider on hidden costs, I've touched on it, is security, the fencing, the lighting, the access control, and the internet access. Most of these will need ongoing costs. So it's all very well saying, right, I'm going to put in fencing, fine. I'm going to put in the security, fine, and the lighting. But don't forget there's electric to run these things, yeah? There's access control. Sometimes, depending on who you're using, you may need to pay a monthly subscription. And of course, as I say, internet access, which is going to have a monthly subscription. So these are ongoing costs you need to factor in when you're doing your profit and loss calculations. So one last thing to cover in this episode, sometimes people talk about moisture challenges with containers. Some even say insulated containers make all the difference. But let's just talk about why there might be a problem in the first place, and then we can talk about solution. Particularly in the early days of container storage, they did get a name for having a problem with condensation and moisture. And the way the moisture gets in there, apart from obviously if there's maybe holes in the container, which hopefully yours won't have, sometimes customers leave doors ajar. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll load the container during wet weather. So all the goods that they're putting in there will pick up moisture and take it into the container. And once it's trapped in there, 
if you haven't got adequate provisions, what will end up happening is on a warm day, all the moisture evaporates. But if it hasn't got anywhere to go, when the evening comes or the winter comes, that moisture then will condense on the steel. And then it'll start dripping onto the products and goods that are in the container. So this ends up being a cycle, of course, once the water's trapped in there. Now, bear with me, I'll talk about some solutions. But effectively, what happens is once the customer or somebody's got moisture in there, it will just evaporate, condense, drip. Evaporate, condense, drip, and it just goes around in a circle. So there's ways to mitigate that. Well, obviously, one, make sure there aren't holes. Two, make sure your doors are closing properly. They're not old doors. Try and get people to avoid loading in the wet. But more, if you go for more modern containers, these have much better ventilation and better timber flooring in them to resist the moisture. Because sometimes that moisture will come up through the floor, not just necessarily through the door or through holes. So this is one of the things that we learned early on was that we used to buy secondhand containers and we bought quite a lot. But actually the price difference with new ones is not huge. It's maybe about 20%, possibly 25% margin higher. But the extra ventilation the quality of the doors, the way they shut easily and the quality of the timber flooring means actually moisture and condensation, should I say, is a thing of the past for more modern containers. So bear that in mind when you're setting up. So this might have been a bit more technical, this one, than it maybe needed to be, but hopefully it's given you some things to think about in terms of setup and operational costs. I really wanted you just to make sure that you understood that, yes, OK, this is a great business, it can really add a great income stream to something that you may already have going on with commercial. But there are operational considerations because it is run like a business. It's not just a commercial investment. So in the next storage episode, I'm going to be talking about finding customers and the best forms of marketing, at least from our experience so far. And of course, you've got to bear in mind, all of this is from our experience. This is what we've learned as we've gone along with this thing. And we've been doing it, as I say, for about 15 or 16 years, and it's been great for us. But I'm hoping that by giving you some of the content of what we've learned going through this process and learned over the years, it's hopefully going to help you get started on the right foot. So thank you for your reviews and support. If you haven't reached out yet, then please do by leaving a review or just joining our Facebook group. Usual W's, facebook.com forward slash commercial property investors. Or, of course, you could do both. Go on, give it a go. So, enjoy yourself, go out and be a commercial property investor. Speak to you soon.